Hi all, it's Sarah. Before we start this week's episode, I wanted to take a minute to tell you that I have a book coming in August. Bombshell is the first in my new Hell's Bells series about a Victorian-era girl gang. And the book is about Cecily Talbot, the bombshell, who you'll remember from earlier series, a take-no-prisoners, take-no-garbage heroine, and about the man who's been wild for her from the moment that they met. But, of course, because the book was written by me, he can't have her. At least, not easily. Not till the end of the book. Let's just say I poured a lot of Faded Mates 2020 energy into this one. And it's about community and about friendship and about partnership and about romance and love and a fair amount of sex. Uh, And I hope that you all love it as much as I really came to while I was writing it during 2020. You can pre-order Bombshell now from wherever you get your books, or you can order it from my local independent bookstore, Word, in Brooklyn, and it'll come signed and with some special swag, including a limited edition 2021 Faded Mates sticker. Thanks for letting me talk at you every week, and thanks for reading. Now, on with the episode, Kylie Scott's lead. It was really fun, this. Oh, God, I love these books. You had a great idea. I did. I I did have a great idea. So this summer, we've been talking about, we've been sort of doing so many interviews. Yes. I mean, not sort of. We've been actually doing a ton of interviews. It's like the summer of interviews. Hot book summer. And... I hope, I'm sure everybody's having a great time. We're having a great time talking to people who are fascinating and fun. Um, But we haven't done a deep dive. In a while. And then when we were trying to figure out what the deep dive should be, we kept sort of naming books and then going, oh, but do we want to do that one right now? And then Jen goes, what if we did Kylie Scott's lead? And I was like, that feels exactly right. And then I read the whole series. Uh, me too. Again, me for too. For the 43rd time. <laughs> for the 43rd time. So, welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. I'm Jennifer Prokop. I am a romance reader and critic. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And we are doing a deep dive on a beloved series. Oh, it's so good. That I have not only read a bunch of times, but also listened to the audio of the whole series during the puzzle puzzle time pandemic of 2020 and those are great too so we are going to talk mostly about leads but i think it's fair to say we're really going to talk about all of them yeah because i read i reread lead like a good student and then i was (laughs) like hang on a second i gotta go back because then i was just i was just in it i was in that world again yeah so i went back and i read lick and then play and then this morning i finished deep and I went in a different order. I read Lead, which I'm kind of always, it's like one of those books that's in constant rotation. Well, Lead is your favorite of the four. Interesting. Lead is my favorite of the four. And then I, which is interesting. And then I went back and read Play, and then I read Deep, and then I've been rereading Lick. But I also read some of those little novellas that are in that what is 101 it? Dark Nights. A thousand and one? No, a thousand and one dark nights. I was like, it better be a thousand and one, or I've completely it's not missed the reference. <laughs> it's like it's a thousand and one, everybody, because it's Shahar's on time. Although I only read the one with the model. I didn't. Well, I ran out of time, so I only read the close. I think, which is the one with the model and the bodyguard. 
Do you know you just said that? And I'm pretty sure I've never read any of those. So that's my next really? thing. Well, first, I have an arc of Kristen Callahan's new VIP series, Rockstar sure. Romance. And that's next on the list. Obviously. But then after that, I'm going to go read all those CHF novellas and just have a full Rockstar week. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, we were talking to Susan Elizabeth Phillips. We, yes. we Everyone we interviewed, Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Jen lost her cool. It was amazing. <laughs> I like, I'm not even embarrassed. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it was amazing. And we talked about this, and I don't know if we talked about this a million and one uh, years ago when we recorded a Rockstar Romance episode, but rock stars were really verboten yeah. in the early days of romance. You couldn't write about them. And yeah. now we're just in a, we're having a rock star renaissance. We are. We are. I, I mean, agree. or at least we did in the teens. Well, I think so. One of, okay, so our this is going to air before our episode with Susan Elizabeth Phillips. So mm-hmm. what she said was, little spoiler alert, maybe we'll do a little more research, that athletes, rock stars, and actors, actors. were forbidden and we and you know she was kind of in like, the 80s in the 80s and early 90s yeah she was kind of like i thought it was maybe a harlequin rule and i said well is it because of the i mean like early category romance was very conservative is what she said and i was like sure. yeah i mean right like rock stars you got sex and drugs and rock and roll and addiction and you know all of the things that sort of maybe come with that world were seen as being too the promiscuity, whatever, right? We're seen as being not romance hero material is my guess, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and it was so it was really interesting. We I, she didn't have an answer, and I don't necessarily either. But one of the things that I that this series, I think the stage dive series, does like they're all kind of past it, except for Jimmy in book one is yeah. still actively using drugs and alcohol, but he goes to rehab. But it's very clear in the text that these men all did have that rock and roll lifestyle. Yes. I it, mean, Ben, too, has that sex lifestyle. Yeah. The right. Book right. Happens. Right. Um, so I think that there's something really interesting about how rock stars and actors have to be portrayed in mm-hmm. order to... And we're going to have Alexis Daria on to talk about celebrity romances, too. And I imagine that we'll touch on this a little bit there. Um, but I think you're right that all three of those lifestyles are super high roller yeah. lifestyles, right? Um, and I think that when you're portraying these characters in their love stories, you have to calm them down. Right. And one of the things that I think Kylie does maybe better than anyone is calm them down without removing the sexy edge that we want the rock stars to retain. Right. right? So you both get to bang, you know, the rock star and watch TV with him. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the other thing, though, that's also really interesting about this series is it is a rock star series where they are, it's, okay, they're all male-female, and they're all heroin-only point of view. 
Yes. So none of the main characters, right, the point of view characters, are in the band and living I that was lifestyle. thinking about that right? myself because it's so weird that you have a and not and not weird in a bad Rock way, just star, weird. It's yes. unusual that you would have a series that is linked by the characters whose heads you are never in. Yes, right. And mm-hmm. it's a really fascinating, and I think in some ways like a smart choice for this, right? Oh, so smart because then you are really getting. I mean, I don't know, but it's certainly a, for some more than I mean, like yeah. for some more than others. Like there are definitely. Mal's book, Play, which yeah. I know a lot. There is so much love for Mal. Yeah. Um, the the readers who love Kylie's books in the OSRBC, the Facebook group yeah. that – Oh, point of order on OSRBC. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of you listeners have tried to join the Facebook group, OSRBC, which we'll put links to in show notes. And I just want to say you only get accepted into the group if you answer the three questions that require you, like you have to name a romance novelist. You all know one. (laughs) You have to tell where you heard about it. You can say Faded Mates. Right. And then you have to agree to the group rules, which are basically don't be a jerk. Right. So you should be able to do that. Okay. (laughs) But if you don't, you don't get in. Anyway, point is a lot of the people in old OSRBC really love Mal. Like, So shout out to the Mal fan club. I have opinions about Mal, but we can get to them. But in that, I think in that book, it's right to stay out of Mal's head because yeah. he's so he's so wacky. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and also like dealing with so much grief. I mean, it's clear. I guess we can just start with Mal. Well, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I guess we're all over the well, place but a little let's bit. Let's come back around. But yeah, come back no, around we'll come, we'll start with Jimmy. But then I I do sort of wish that I had glimpses of David. And Jimmy, because we are so, really, over the course of the whole book, David and Jimmy are brothers. Yeah. And so they have similar, so the the order, for those of you who have not read all the books, is David, then Mal, then Jimmy, then Ben. And Mal and David and Jimmy are sort of all connected in that David and Jimmy are brothers, mm-hmm. and Mal's parents, Mal's mom specifically, kind of... They, David and Jimmy have, like, a really terrible home life, had a terrible home life when they were children. Um, this band came together when they were teenagers. And Mal's mom kind of took them all in. Right. And, like, you know, mom Cared them. for them. Mom them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so uh, when, over the course of the first three books, Mal's mom dies. Um, and as that happens... Yeah. You start to see how interconnected the stories are and how, like, connected all these men are. So you, I do a little bit wish that I had, you know, the Fifty Shades Freed <laughs> version. Just, like, a few key scenes, mostly when they're suffering, if I could be honest. Yeah, yeah. just, like, a little – if Kylie ever wanted to do, like, a little, you know – Something novella for the from the like a post an epilogue a post epilogue with for, from the men's point of view I would be there for it oh heck yes absolutely so 
Part of the reason I, so I guess let me talk about why I chose lead, which if I remember correctly, here's a deep cut. Back in season one of Faded Mates, when we would have a guest on, we would ask them some questions. Do you remember we used to do this? Oh, we did that a couple times. We did that a couple times. And I'm pretty sure it was Joanna Shoup who put lead on my radar by saying it's like one of her favorite books. I can't remember like what book, what the question was. And I was like, well, if Joanna Shoup says she loves it, then I should read it. And I, and at that point, you had talked about Lick on the Rockstar Romance Interstitial, which was like five minutes long. And so in that season, those books came on my radar and I read them all in like two days. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know what's funny? Yeah. Beverly Jenkins, We right around that same time that we were talking about them, a lot of other people were, yeah. they were just in the ether. Sure. In the way that books are sometimes. Yes. Um, and I remember Beverly Jenkins tweeting, <laughs> somebody recommended this Rockstar romance to me, or I saw a bunch of you talking about this Rockstar romance, and then I downloaded it to see what it was all about. Now I've read all four of them. <laughs> It, and it's because you're just, I mean, yeah. they're really good. They're like candy. Yes, absolutely. And mm-hmm. if you are an audiobook listener, this is a, actually a little bit of weirdness for me. I have a hard time when the same narrator does a bunch of first person in a row. But the same narrator does all of Kylie Books. Her name's Andy Arndt. And she is a great narrator. And so, if them. yeah, they are terrific. And I actually... Love her narration, but it really got me through book four, which is the one that's always been kind of the hardest for me. Ben is way more of a cipher than the other band members are. And it was listening to it on audio that made me appreciate book four as opposed to really being like, oh, you're such a jerk just the entire time. Yeah. Um. All right. So. My favorite is David, but let's start with Jimmy because you want you picked you picked it. So let's start with Jimmy. So what's in, I think you know what there's an exception that proves every rule. I think, and I sometimes have a hard time reading books where people are in recovery, not because I think people in recovery don't deserve love or romance, but because I like worry about them so much, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, so, but there's like an exception that proves every rule. And I love lead. And part of the reason I think is because it's, Jimmy has been out of, you know, out of rehab for six or eight months when the book takes place. Mm -hmm. And we see that he is like actively working on it, but it also feels like he's in like a good, healthy place. And so I think Mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons I could really enjoy the book. Whereas in book one, he's still using and, you know, he kind of comes on to Ev in a way that's a little creepy, and she is really upset by it. And so, you know, we see that struggle in in David and Jimmy's relationship. And I like seeing that healing in book three. Like, that's always I my agree. thing, right? I just want to see people healing. And so I think that's a big part of the reason why I like this book so much is because I wanted Jimmy and David to get to a good place. And that's, like, a really big thing that happens in this book. But I also really love Lena. <laughs> Lena is probably one of my favorite The heroines. setups for all of these books are really yeah, terrific. Really full. They're super tropey and yes. sticky, right? Yes. So the setup for, let's do it. Let's do all of them. Yeah. So the setup for Lick is Drunken Night in Vegas. We wake up married. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's my favorite. Un- surprising absolutely no one. That's yeah. my favorite. 
The second one is um the is like fake relationship. Yeah, basically. But with a with a twist. With a good Labrador retriever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. The setup for lead is um well, falling in love with my assistant, only she's my sobriety companion. Yeah. Exactly. And the and the setup for four is back to Vegas, which is oops, I'm pregnant after a one night stand. Kylie really sort of nails this trope piece yes. right from the start. She's like, I've got rock stars, and then I need a straight shot of, like, a, a trope people are going to immediately fall into and believe. Well, and it's pure found family, not just mm-hmm. within the stage dive crew, the band itself, which we see right from the very beginning, but mm-hmm. also as new, like, love interests come on board they become part of the stage dive family as well. And that is exactly. always super, super appealing. Yeah. All right. So it's hard to think about this series for me without also sort of thinking about the Kristen Callahan series. Right. Because it's actually re- structured in a very similar way where the third book in the series is the character who has really been putting them all through the ringer. Yeah. And also in a similar way, right? Like they're right. dealing with addiction and also – and in the Callahan series with depression and suicidal tendencies, right? Yeah. Suicidal ideation. So um, – but the this series – so leads so fascinating because you have a heroine who is built into the system knowing the flaws of the hero from yes. the start. And I shouldn't say flaws. I, I don't mean that in the way – I mean she knows that he's struggling yes. with – Yes, right. You know, addiction with anger, with all the things that come guilt, with recovery, right? yeah. guilt. Right. And so, and at the same time, it's forced proximity. Yeah, right. Because, like, she literally cannot leave his side. Her job she lives is to make in sure his he house. does not use. Right? Right. So, she, what happens is, so, okay, the beginning of lead, I, I guess you really should read them in order, and... We're going to talk about, I know I'm like, now I'm like, maybe it's dumb to talk about lead so much, but it's my favorite. So maybe, you know what, actually, let's talk about them kind of one at a time. And then when we talk about lead, I'll talk about why it's my favorite. So you want to start with Just because I do think people should read them in order. They are really linked stories. Yeah. This podcast is free. And sometimes we, you know, don't know what we're doing. So (laughs) I don't care. Um, Okay. So I'm going to talk about Lick because it's my favorite. So Lick is... So the we begin Lick with uh, my favorite beginning of any romance <laughs> novel ever, which is I've woken up and there is a diamond ring on my finger <laughs> and I am hungover. Yeah. And it appears that I am married to a man <laughs> in this hotel room. I would yes. also like to add that my second favorite part of this trope, which I also love, is I don't remember anything and he remembers everything. Oh, oh that's the best part of this book. And that is why you can't be in his POV. Yes, exactly. Because otherwise, it would be heartbreaking. Yes. Same thing if you've ever read, if you've never read, The Captain's Vegas Vows by Caro Carson has the exact same setup where she doesn't remember anything and he remembers everything. Excuse me while I download that right now. <laughs> it is terrific. Amazing. Yeah. So, okay, we're in Vegas. Our heroine is deeply hungover. She's still I mean, actively puking. De- like, she's like wakes up on the bathroom floor. She might floor. still be drunk. She's like, I mean, like it's bad news bears yeah. in this hotel room because it was her twenty first birthday. 
Yeah, they're also very young. Yes, <laughs> it's fine. Let's just blow past that. Sure. So, um, the so she wakes up. She's got a gigantic rock on her finger. Oh, I really love a. I'm so rich, I can get Cartier to open at two in the morning to buy oh, you an engagement ring. Like, yes, put it in my ring. veins. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, and then um, what is very clear from the very start, even though we're in the heroine's point of view and it's so cleverly done by Kylie, is you are given a sense that something else has happened happened this night before that has really gotten David, the the guitarist of the band and the songwriter for the band, in a place. Like, he is is really into the heroine. Yeah. And he's furious and upset and angry that she cannot. Yeah. Yeah, that she can't remember. I mean, literally, you all, the only way she remembers his name is after he, like, storms out of the room, his name is tattooed on her ass, and she's like, I guess his name's (laughs) David. (laughs) Yes, I also like the fact, I also like, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, right? right. And Kylie plays with that, too. In the next book, the heroine is like, kind of obsessed with the hero like right. when she was a child she had sh- a child she's still a child she's only like 22 but she um she had like po- posters of him on oh, her bedroom yeah. wall which right. is del- a delight yeah so then and then she's sort of like this is we can't like right uh, look this is nonsense we made a mistake i'm gonna give you this ring back and you know we're gonna Get terminate divorced. this marriage yeah. right and he sort of says, like, okay, we'll keep the ring for now, and I'll get the lawyers on board. And he's pissed. And there, there's, like, a very sort of – there's a big moment where it's just clear that, like, he's not happy with the dissolution of this marriage, but he's also not happy with her for not remembering that, right. you know, they're faded mates. Right. <laughs> and so <laughs> – which is such a – like, it's so perfect because he's such a dumb hero, yeah. you know? And then she, he goes to get the lawyer. She meets with the lawyers alone because he's so irritated. And the lawyers are like, here's an NDA. Here's, like, here he, he's settling, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars on you so that you never talk. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, I don't want she's so any furious. of this. I think the other thing that I really like about this series is how it really shows how very wealthy men, in this case— can use their money as a weapon. Yes. Right? And it's, like, both the largesse of the lifestyle, but also how, like, weaponized that money can be. And the scene where he, like, sicks these lawyers on her, and she's sitting there alone, and, like, four lawyers are across the table from her, and they're, like, shoving paper at her and being dismissive and rude. I thought that that part was... I thought it was great, honestly, because I think that it's both... You know, the money and the lifestyle and the power that comes with that is really, like, weaponized at it mm-hmm. several times uh, it across the series against, mm-hmm. against these women. And I just thought it was – I thought it was great, right? It's not mm-hmm. just all Cartier rings, right? No. Yeah. No. And so she's pissed and she throws the ring at the lawyers and <laughs> she storms out of the room, which is great, in this great scene. And Mal, yeah. the hero of book two, who is also a Labrador retriever. Yes. Literally. You know, I've talked before about how there's this thing in comedy where, like, you put a character on the page who's a dog yeah. and they can just do whatever. And the, the, That's the meaning of that is, like, it's Joey Tribbiani or Kramer from Seinfeld. Like, who, and whatever they do, it just makes sense. Homer Simpson. Yeah. 
Mal is a dog, right? Yeah. And he she wander, she walks out of the room and she's pissed and Mal sees that she's pissed and he's like, Come with me. Yeah. Like we're gonna take a drive. Right. And then jealousy happens. And yes. I know, I know it's toxic. And I know I, I it's 2021. I don't care. And I'm I love a feminist. It. And I shouldn't, but I love it. <laughs> Same. Same. I love it. I love it when they lose their minds because they're like, how could this person possibly ever dream of touching this woman that I love? Right. Well, oh, and okay. then the agreement basically is, I was like, why won't you just tell me what happened? And David's like, no, I don't want to do that. Maybe we'll just hope your memory comes back if I kiss you. <laughs> We'll have a weekend in yeah. Monterey, right. in our house in Monterey, and you'll meet these lovely people who cook enchiladas for us. Yes. <laughs> I would like that. I mean, there's just so much. It's such a warm hug, yeah. this series, and that bo- this book is so comfortable. Like, it's, you just, you know, we were talking to Kate Claiborne about the yeah. series earlier, and Kate said, and I don't think she'll be upset that I quote her, but she was like, have you ever noticed how good Kylie Scott is at writing, like, couch People romance. on a couch. <laughs> yes. When you think about what the fantasy is, for rock stars, it's normalcy. Yeah. Right? And that's... I when you're thinking about the promise of the premise of a celebrity romance or a rock star romance, like yes, you want the kind of oh, there's like the moment the of glow media up. or like the blow up or like the public display of right. like love, which we do ultimately get in this series, but not until the end. Yeah. And the but really what you want is to be the person who make who is home yes. for th- this like larger than life character. Here's the other part that, again, why it's great to start with Lick, is David is the songwriter for the band. And that's also good. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So good. It's like she spun the trope wheel, the rock star trope wheel. Right. And so to start with the one, I mean, and so they're all a little bit, you know, he can't write anymore. It's not exactly, it's not exactly, but like their last so he had he had broken up with a long-term girlfriend and after that wrote this barn burner of an album, right, where mm-hmm. he talks about his broken heart. And so the th- other part of this that really, like, I mean, talk about pressing those id buttons uh, is I'm going to make this man write again. He's going to write love songs for I me. Mean, I'm so – Hello. I don't – And more, Jen. It's I don't remember yeah. the night – that made, made him inspired. Like, <gasps> listen, it's so good. <laughs> listen, it's amazing. It really is. And so anyway, it's a delight. You will, spoiling absolutely nothing because you're listening to Fated Mates and you know, like, it It just works out to be this kind of delightful, like, he's so inspired by her. He loves her so much. Yeah. He screws up because they all screw up really well. Like, yes. Yeah. They all screw up. And then they all have to figure out how to be. Yeah. And some of them grovel more than others. Right. But they all do a really – and the thing that I love about that one – is that he? She's from Portland. Yeah, and so she, you know, when it when it all kind of falls apart, you know, there's a ex girlfriend who's sort of around. Oh, it's Ben's when, sister. It's Ben's sister, so it's all sort of complicated and right. convoluted. But the when the you know when it all falls apart, she goes back to Portland to like her life. Yeah, 
works at a coffee shop. And he just starts to, like, hang around. And I texted Jen about this. Like, (laughs) what I love about this moment is that here is a hero who knows that he's done wrong. And he knows that he needs to give her space and time. Yeah. But he also wants her to know that, like, no matter what, forever, if she needs him, he's going to be, like, a heartbeat away. And all she has to do is say, like, I need you. And he's just going to be there. Like, and it's so, like, I'm, like, getting hot thinking about it. Like, I'm getting flushed thinking about it. It's so romantic because you know, ultimately, that she's going to come around. But, like, he's just sort of, like, she comes out of work and he's, like, there. And he's, like, I'm going to walk you you know, home. And she's like, okay. And then they leave each other. And it's just so, you're like, oh, I love it so much. And I said, those of you who have been with us since the first season, it's the one thing that I wanted more of in Sweet Ruin. As you all know, Sweet Ruin is my favorite Immortals After Dark series book. And at the end, you know, Ruin, Ruin has to give Josie space. Yeah. But like, the one thing I wish is that she knew he was there giving her space, you know? Yeah, I mean, so I, like, listen, I love this whole series. I love, I love all of it. So book two is play. It's Mel. And he really is, something's wrong with Mel at the beginning of book two. And no one really quite knows what it is. And so. Because he's like this kind of wild child anyway. Yeah, right. Like, like manic, like real energetic. He's a little manic. And he's like more, but he's somehow becoming more more manic. Right. And, but also then, like, there's, you know, he won't interact with Van. They don't know what's going on. And so the heroine of book two is Ev's old neighbor, right? So Ev and Lauren were roommates. Their across-the-hallway neighbor is Anne. And she the book starts with her walking into her apartment one day. And essentially, her roommate has moved out while she was at work. And this roommate had owed her a bunch of money. And so Anne is now in pretty dire financial straits. She has been... Um, Rate and like and one of the things I really like about is Ev is Ev's kind of deal is that she wants to like please her parents. She's always been a good girl, but Anne in in play is really had to essentially become the adult in her home when she was like fifteen or sixteen. Her dad left and her mom just like crawled into bed. She witnessed her mom um, trying to commit suicide with pills. And she raised her younger sister, Lizzie, all on her own. And so Anne has really, like, been just one of those people who's, like, push came to shove and I put my nose down and fucking did my work and tried to take care of things. Essentially, like, homeschooled herself to kind of get through to take care of this sister. Right. They, you know, Sacrificed her own yes. desires to go to college so that her sister would have the money to go to college. Right. And so... And essentially, and you she know, works in a bookstore. Works in a bookstore. And Lauren, okay, remember, this is Ev's old roommate, like, kind of is like, what the fuck did that bitch do to you? Come to this party with us. And Anne is mm-hmm. like, that's the last thing I want to do. But Lauren is a good friend. And Lauren's like, no, look, we're, I'm not going to leave you here alone. You got to come with us. And she is out on a balcony. And Anne also has had this monster crush on this guy she works with, Reese. And he calls her that night and is basically like, oh, man, that sucks, babe. I can't believe she did that to you. Could you work late tomorrow night? (laughs) Right? And it turns out that Mal has been on the balcony and overheard the whole thing. And it's basically like. I love a man in the darkness. Oh, God. Like nursing a beer or whatever. Coming out of the darkness to save you. To save you. And it's basically (laughs) like, who is that asshole? Like, what's going on with you? 
And then he, but he sort of, like, steps in to save her, but in a way that also is, like, taking advantage of her boundaries, right? And he moves himself he into her himself in. I love it. I, I mean, like, it's, but he is a real acquired taste. Yes. Now. Yes. Like, there is something, and what I love, so here's the trick. Here's what I'm fascinated by and what I think Kylie does better than a lot of us. Um, is sometimes when you put a character on the page in the first or second or third book in a series, yes. you put them on the page for comic relief, yep. or you put them on the page and you sort of give them a personality that is not a personality that would generally be described as sexy or heroic. Right. And then it comes time for their book. And the temptation is always to turn down to the dial. To retcon. You want to retcon this character, right? Yep. Like, they weren't as wild as you thought. And I know this because I'm currently, like, the book that comes out in August of mine is a character who was on the page for Comic Relief for a while, right? So I think that there is this instinct, mm-hmm. and I think often writers make the choice to you know, back away from that character. And right. Kylie does not do this. That's right. Mal re- remains his Labrador retriever self through all four of these books. Yep. Yeah. And you know what is great is Anne is set up as a character who, like, lacks some boundaries maybe, right? Because she has been a person who has just, like, rushed in to save things. And one of the things I really like about this book is instead what we understand is – she is being kind of her real self with Mel. And the, like, button down, I'm going to take care of business, I'm going to save everybody, caretaker person, has instead been the thing that was put upon her. Yeah. And I think it's really smart to sh- – because you're kind of like, who's going to be the right person for Mel? Right. And at first, you're thinking, oh, he's just going to, like, run right over her. And instead, you really realize, like, no, she – instead, he's, like, kind of bringing back this – person she was before the weight of all this responsibility and also that she like is learning to put up boundaries she's the only person who will stand up to him and be like shut it down right fucking now like what are you doing and he she continues to do that for the rest of the series yeah but i think the most powerful scene in this book is so mal's mother is very ill right that's what dies over the course of the book kind of in between book three and four she dies she doesn't die on page she's really sick isn't it that she's really sick no she dies in book she doesn't die on on page she dies on page in book two or not on page, but she dies in book two. The funeral happens. The funeral happens at the beginning of, of uh, book, book three. three. So and between book two and three. Right. And at the end of book two, it's like any day now. Right? Right. Because he comes. Right. Okay. So anyway, it's clear that the uh, – now that we've sorted that yeah. out. <laughs> the anyway. mom is quite ill and she, his mom and dad come to a concert. And it becomes yeah. clear when they sort of turn up in Portland for mm-hmm. this concert, which is going to be their first concert with David's right. new album. Um, the They're there and it's clear that something is wrong – and that becomes, there's a great, there's a lot of great moments with, um, Mal is also the drummer, so, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there are a lot of great, like, physical moments with him where, oh, like, yeah. he has to drum it out. Um, but it becomes clear with all the members of the band that something is terribly wrong with Mal's mother, and he has been keeping it a secret. And so there's, you know, there's strife in the band, but um, they, the the parents come to a concert, and his mom has a, you know, is weak at the concert and has to, like, take a lay down 
And um, then Mal is kind of like, no, we're going to give – he can't deal with it. So he is going to give them, like, the full rock star experience. So there's this, like, really – I can't think of a better word than manic experience where like there's this massive party and people are everywhere and he's drinking and he's like on the table Mm -hmm. and he proposes to Anne to Anne in front of his parents like and he's like marry me and she like you see caretaker Anne just strip away yeah and she's like no No, I'm not gonna marry you to make your mom happy when she's dying Right? Exactly. And that's and so his she, reason for, like, moving in, we now understand, right? He's like, I wanted my mom to see that I could have a girlfriend and that she didn't have to be sad about me, that she could, like, feel some peace about that. And right. at this moment, and, and and Lori, the mom, loves Anne, and Anne loves her, but Anne's like, I'm here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to agree to get married to you so that your mom, no matter how sick she is, and it's ovarian cancer, I mean— and Lori, it's clear, doesn't want that either. Like, she no. just sort of says, like, oh, Anne, I'm so but sorry. you sort of realize that, like, Mal is really spinning out. Yeah. And there's – and what's amazing about this from the writerly perspective is, like, there are about ten different ways that this moment is the, you know, the dark moment of the book. This kind of – you know that it can't go on the way that it's been going on. Like, now th- – Everything has shifted and there is sadness to come, right? I think the other thing I I really liked about this book then is Mal is a really, like, over-the-top character, right? Mm -hmm. But he's going to stay that way. Like, it's not this thing where, like... You know, when after his mother's death, he's going to sort of learn a new, you know, he's deeply sad, but still himself. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to say it. It's really, this book is really big emotional. It's like really deeply, I mean, they all are, but this one especially, right? And it's so interesting because it's, it's an emotional journey for a character who doesn't feel emotional from the start of the series. Like, from the start of the series, he feels like... A puppy. Comedian. Yeah, right. like he's there to just sort of spin the whole world. Or, like to play rock star. Right. Right? Right. Right. And it's so, it's a surprise. Yeah. It sneaks up on you, this book. Yeah, I think I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, I think the other thing that's really interesting about this, about play, before we get to lead, is this is also the point where you realize like, how layered and interwoven the stories themselves are. Unlike, I think, other books where, I mean, in a rock star romance, the promise is really, like, we're going to get these characters back again and again. I think the other thing I'd like to say at this point is one of the reasons these books really work for me with this single character point of view is because in these books, the characters are together all the time. They are yes. never not together in both Lick in, – in the first three, that's the case. And so when Mal disappears, it really feel his absence in the text. Does that make yes. sense? Because there's never – I mean, basically from the very beginning, he's moved in with Anne and they're together nonstop. And in Lick, right, she, like, moves in with David to sort of avoid the paparazzi. They're together nonstop. In, and so this, one of the reasons, because single point of view is hard for me in a romance. I want, I want it all, right? I want it all. Yeah. 
I mean, I really, I feel the same way. I want heroes. Yes. Like, if I'm going to choose single POV, I'd rather have the heroes POV than there. Right. And so one of the reasons this series, I think, really works for me is because of that forced proximity, whatever's causing it. You get them all the time. And I think Kylie does a great job with communicating how they are feeling or, like, the, you know, the heroines are are privy to conversations or report conversations that, like, the band is having so you get a sense of what's going on. I mean, so the way we find out really what's happening with Lori, because, you know, Anne knows something is wrong, is Jimmy, she's, Jimmy confronts Mal. Like, what the fuck is going on with her? She's lost all this weight. And we get this deep sense of, like, caring between them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, and, you know, again, this is just a preference. I don't, I'm not saying it's wrong, but one of the reasons the deep was so hard is Ben is off page a lot of the time. And I'm like, wait, what's going on with him? So I just want to point out here too, like Kylie doesn't flinch from who Mal really is. We get him really being Mal. I mean, there's a part where he like loses his shit and he's so upset and he goes to this like drum hall, like, you know, their their practice yeah. hall. And she's just like watching him play and like breaking, breaking drumsticks for hours. And then the door opens and yes. David comes in. Well, because she says, she, she, she texts, texts and she says, he's here. He's here. And he shows up like 15 minutes later, just plugs in a guitar and they play together. Ugh. And it's this. so good. I mean, the brotherhood so piece, the, yeah. you know, we've talked about how much we, and we've done an interstitial on, you know, found family among men, right? Right. The way that heroes connect. And I think that this series, one of the joys of it, I really love, surprising no one who has read my books, the moment where un, where two heroes have a moment, right? Mm-hmm. And say, like, you're really screwing this up. Yes. Like, you're going to ruin your life if you don't get it together and figure out how to make her happy. Yeah. And I love it. And Kylie just, like, delivers it delivers over and over again just, in the series. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You, you're eating it with a spoon the whole time. It's amazing. So now let's talk about lead, I guess, my fave. So Mal's mom dies. Yes. And as I said at the beginning, everybody had a really important relationship with Mal's mom. Yeah. Now what's interesting is the actual, and I don't remember if it's like a prologue or what, the way Lena is hired by the band is she works for their manager, Adrian's, in his office. And she is basically, like, not going to put up with this guy's bullshit anymore. And they are, like, these wild... It's Mal. It's Mal. Right. Mal's like, Mal's like, hey. And we now understand that, like, this hiring happened way before because Lena appears in, you know, previous books. So, you know, we're kind of going back in time to their, the, the way she gets hired. And she's about to, like, walk out of Adrian's office because he's just a jerk. He wants, like, some kind of donut that they don't even serve that day or whatever. He's, like, setting her up for failure. But then it's the day of Lori's funeral. And Jimmy is, like, just losing his shit. Full rock star, trashing yes. a hotel room. Right. Absolutely. Because he is devastated. And essentially, we get through this story, through book three, the story of David and Jimmy's mom, who was an addict herself, 
who, like, would steal their stuff to sell for drug money, who, like, walked out. And even though Jimmy's father, their father, was around, he was just so heartbroken at the loss of his wife that he didn't take care of his sons. And Jimmy talks about, essentially, how he started using, essentially, almost to get back at her, right? The first pills he ever took, he said, came from her stash. And so he is a deeply, and so, you know, this whole kind of nightmare scenario where, like, this woman who really cared for and mothered him dies while his own mother, who had been so abusive, is still alive, really sets up the whole beginning of this book. And Dave, and because Jimmy had protected David from kind of the worst of their mother, David is want to sort of take her side. Like, she essentially shows up at the funeral asking for money. Ugh, terrible. And it's terrible, right? It's terrible. And I think that this, but we see it all, I think, in the way that, like, Jimmy, because he's not using anymore, is trying his best to really deal with it. Right? Mm-hmm. He's going to AA meetings throughout the book. He has a therapist, right? Like, we don't really feel like he can't handle it. And no. Yeah. Go ahead. No, but there's clearly, I mean, like, Jimmy has feelings issues. Jimmy, oh, yeah. I Jimmy mean, is the you know, ultimate alpha Now that alpha we're talking era. about this, of course this is your favorite. Because <laughs> Jimmy has never felt a feeling in his whole life. No. And so the <laughs> problem is, is sorry, that I love poor, it. I know it's wrong. <laughs> I know. It's your thing. It's fine. It's fine. It's Thank like you, jealousy Sarah. for me. I yes, just can't handle it. I love it. them both. Um, so, wrong. so the okay. So poor Lena. Yeah. Oh, it's heartbreaking. So Lena starts to fall for him. Yes, because he's like when he's sober and like clean and, and they're on the couch. Everything. Also, he wears a suit like nobody's business. Oh God, yes, he right? looks great. <laughs> he cleans up great. So nice. And then, so there are. So she's just like falling for him. Yeah. And so finally, she does what anybody who is a decent professional would do in this situation. And she says, I have to quit. Yeah. And I will find you. It's Naima Simone's scoring off the field, right? Yes. She's like, I have to quit. I'm going to find you a new sobriety companion. And he's like, no. And she's like, no, you don't understand. I have to quit. Like, we're going to find somebody better for you. And he's like, no. And then she's like, you ding dong. I love you. And he, well, she says, I have feelings for you. Yeah, she says, I have feelings for and you. He, and he, like, laughs at her. Yeah, he's like, no, you Come don't. On. Why would you have feelings for me? I'm a fucking nummy. He's like, what are feelings? Nobody yes. feels feelings. Oh, God. <laughs> and so then what they agree to, and this is like, you guys, like, this entire book is my, like, my absolute so favorite funny. things is he comes into a room and he's like, this is, you can't leave. You're the only one I can stand. Everyone else drives me, you know, just makes me upset all the time. They're always in my business. I can handle you living in my house. You're nice and calm. And he finds this magazine that she had been reading that was basically like four ways to get over him or something. And he's like, this is great. Let's do this. You're going to get on the four step plan. And it's going to be, like, date other people and find, you know, kind of go over, like, the things that are bad about him. Yeah, focus or whatever. on his faults. <laughs> He's like, that's great. I know my faults better than anybody. I'll help you with this. 
So, oh, but then he's like, okay, you're going to date other people. Yes. So he starts setting her up with <laughs> other people, which which is delicious. Oh, I mean, God. Like, it's all of all this. just so yummy. So, you know, date number one is Ben, his bandmate. But ah, Jimmy. But Ben keeps texting someone, and yes. that will come back later. In chapter, in book four. And, you know, Jimmy, like, goes on the date with <laughs> And this is like, you guys, I can't even describe how much I love this. It's It's delightful. Perfect. Right? And then there's like another, a guy from, like one of their roadies. No, it's Anne's, the guy Anne liked, who, remember Reese. Oh, Reese. Yeah. Who still hung up on Anne. Right. Now they can't ever anymore. there's like a nice guy. Yes. Who's like their their tech guy. Right. And And then. nice. Then Jimmy loses his shit because he's jealous because yeah. we're and we love it because yeah. we're terrible and I don't care. <laughs> we don't care. And don't don't send us messages. We but, love it. <laughs> but the thing that's great about Lena is and I think that these are the scenes that I really like is mm-hmm. in order to believe that I mean, because right back to like the lifestyle and the money and the women throwing themselves at you. I think in order to really believe the HEA for people that live in these, like, really high fame, high money, Mm -hmm. whatever, is you have to really believe that these heroines, in this case, right, because the band, are going to give as good as they get. And so when Jimmy, and one of my favorite scenes in this book is so Jimmy, like, loses his shit. And it's like, she's working, no holy hands, what the fuck are you doing? Where's the respect, Right. And she's like, fuck you, and goes up to her room and, like, cries and takes a nap and locks him out. And when Jimmy is like, let me in, she won't let him in. She's literally like, no, go away. And he kicks down her door. (laughs) I mean, we all know I love it that. Right? And he storms in. (laughs) And the minute he sees that she's crying, like, all of the anger just goes right out of him. Because he thinks she's punishing him. So then right? it's like, all right, the four-step plan just became five steps. I have a final step that's yes. guaranteed. To work. Guaranteed to work. It's going to end our our relationship. We're going to bang it out. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> she's like, there's so no five that steps. Works. And he says, let's fuck. And she's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this book is so great, everybody. So I can't even tell delightful. you. Yeah. It really, really is. And it has that same sort of feel to it where, like, you just get the sense that, like, once the switch is flipped, it's that it's yeah. the promise of the premise of the celebrity romance is that once the switch is flipped, there is no one for this, like, yes. larger-than-life superstar but then, this very ordinary person. Right, right. And that's the joy of it is yeah. this idea that, like, you know, heroes should be kings, and right. like you can, you can win the king, right? Right. And I think the other thing is by book three, we're really getting the sense, and like I, I mean, I said it a little bit with book two, but I think it's book three because it starts like back where we're really then also starting to see things that happened through like another bandmate's yeah, point of view, so right? Like deftly, layer, layer, layer. Right? Yeah, she's deftly threading this needle through the, like, Kylie Scott universe. Yeah, right. And it's great. I mean, and this is where I'm kind of like, this is amazing writing. Because not only are you getting each of the band members through this heroine point of view, 
But by the end of the book, you're also getting the band members from the other characters' points of view. I mean, it's really so well done. I mean, yeah. there's so much information packed she, I mean, in. Yeah. Imagine as a writer, the struggle. I mean, when you limit POV to one character, yes. PO, single character POV, it is really difficult mm-hmm. to show anything outside of the room yes. that the, that character is in. Right. And somehow Kylie figures it out. And it is in the way that you just said, where, like, she just knows her character so well. She's built this big – talk about a heroine's journey. Like, yes. she's built this huge community of people who all are on her side. We haven't talked about Sam, right, the right. bodyguard. the bodyguard. Who, right. like, looms through all four books. Yes. As this real, like – He's this great figure for writers. All writers should have a Sam in their books because yeah. he can kind of do anything. Well, so you like, get Sam's oh, books the door in the novellas. Got knocked down. Oh, I gotta go. Is it with Martha? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, that I'm gonna read that next. So the but you know the door's been the, yes. you know the door's been kicked in. Sam can fix the lock. The right. You know uh, I'm on a plane. I've booked a plane ticket to leave these crazy. People, yeah, <laughs> and right. I don't want to be near them anymore. Sam knows you've booked it, and you're in a different kind of car. Like, right. there's just Sam is a jack of all trades. I also really love it when a heroine is like enough is enough and and leaves, and not again like in a punishing way, but just in a like I have my own dignity and worth way, and this is no longer working for me. And yep. I think they're. The way that this book plays out emotionally, um, there is a a real sense that Lena knows – she's probably one of my favorite heroines in romance, I would say, right? She's great. She's great. She really knows her own strengths. She is entirely pragmatic, and she is completely knows that, like – Every, I, I don't know, like, there's just a real sense of even though things are sort of out of control, she never feels compromised. I don't know if that makes sense. And even at the very end, there's this, one of my, I don't really remember a lot of, like, lines in romance, right? But there was a part, there's a part at the end where she basically says, um, you know, we went into free fall and it was time to hit the ground. Like, she really gets that mm-hmm. her, she is entirely in touch with her emotions and so to see her with jimmy who cannot feel at feelings at all it's this really just like in all the other books right like ev provides david with this normalcy right Anne is able to like really be herself and put boundaries on mal and for like lena it's like i know how to feel feelings. I'm not afraid of my feelings. Mm -hmm. And you don't feel them at all. Like, these matches are so perfect. Yes. And I think that's why lead... I mean, I love them all. I don't... I think I picked lead, though, because there's really this sense of building up to this book, too, like you said. Yes. Right? I mean, there's also this moment. It feels like such a healing... You know, you've seen Jimmy through three books really struggle. Yes. And there's this moment... I mean, Kylie also waits until the very last moment for Jimmy to feel feelings. Yes. Right? Like, right. Or not to feel them, but to understand to the understand feelings that he's them. feeling. Yeah. 
And, I mean, there is – the climactic scene of this book is at a wedding. Oh, yeah. And it is – it's – I mean, talk about something that truly scratches my, like, celebrity itch is, like, turning up – if there is a book where you have to go to your – High school reunion yeah. or your, your, your sister's t- wedding, your terrible sister's wedding or any any situation where an ex who has dumped you in a horrible way, like, is yeah. there and can get it stuck to them. I want a celebrity romance that delivers, like, Tom Hardy straight uh-huh. into yes, the moment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I that mean, happens here. And, and that's it's it. Great. It completely understands the promise of the premise of, of oh. right, the lead singer. What is the lead singer going to have to do at the end, everybody? If you don't know. <laughs> you're I, not a close. You need yeah. to be a better reader. <laughs> Listen, if you didn't realize, you're like, okay. But I, so I think that's it, too. Like, these books are really perfectly designed. I mean, like you said, they're real sticky, right? They're real they sticky. But they're really sticky. I also think that, I guess I would also say, I love that the dignity with which Jimmy's, like, sort of recovery arc is treated Right? Both as being something that he's going to be dealing with for a long time, but something that Lena really deeply respects. And that also that Jimmy, like, knows is, like, the forgiveness part, right? Like, that he really has to forgive himself and forgive his bandmates. And and that journey, I think it's just really well done. I don't know. It feels um, like it's a important part of the book without being... I don't know how else, you know what I mean? Like, it's, to me at least, without, like, weighing the book down. Yeah. Right? Like, we know he's doing the work. I think especially the part about how deeply he has hurt his bandmates and his brother. But how deeply he was hurt by them, too. hmm Right? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And then there's book four. Yeah. So these books were published over four years, 2013 okay. to twenty. 20- 16, I think. Yeah. Um, so the and I think that um the what's interesting about this is so book four kind of is a button on the series. Yes. It feels different than all the other books. Yep. In lots of different ways. Um, even though it still has a lot of the hallmarks. So there's yep. Ben. Ben has been kind of quiet yeah. the whole series. He like, really has been. And one of the things I really like in Deep is at some point in the book, um, his heroine noted, sort of acknowledges that, like, David was the, like, sensitive songwriter yeah. and Mal was, like, the wild child and Jimmy was, like, the front man. Right. And Ben was the one who, like, just worked. Yeah. In the background. So his heroine is Anne's little sister, Lizzie. Little sister. She's yeah. She's 20 years old. Yeah. And she, the minute she sees him, I mean, kaboom. Oh, we didn't talk about the fact that in Mal's book, there is a great moment where Lizzie, who is 20, walks into the room, yeah. sees him, and is like, oh, my God, my sister had pictures of you all over her wall. <laughs> oh, and it yes. is so mortifying. Oh, God. Absolutely. And it's one of those moments where, like, I really – it was the perfect hero for that to happen to, too. Yes. Because he was like, oh, really? That's so great. What would you do when you looked at that? Well, <laughs> the, I mean, there's this great part where he – says to her, he's like, every time you look at me, you've got the crazy eyes. And she's like, no, I love, love the whole band. And he's like watching her watch the rest of them. He's like, no, I think it was just me. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of delightful because there is that 
like that's one of those things that you don't always see in celebrity romances where yes. like the heroine knows the celebrity and like is kind of seriously into them. crushed on them. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um but somehow she rides that line between like f- super fan and stalker, which right. is, you know, tricky. Anyway, so Lizzie um meets Ben and is just like kaboom and he's yeah. like a mountain man. He's like 6 foot 6 and quiet and has sure. a big beard and I'm for it. Yeah. And she's like holy cow, this guy and he's sort of like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> hey. And they have, like, essentially a texting-talking relationship. Yeah, which is nice. I like that. I like that, too. Because she, because what Ev notices that she yeah. has a crush on him. And she's like, you, and she's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and leave my phone here. Yeah. And you definitely should not try Look to up. find the telephone number of some bass player in a band we might know. Right. And then she does, and she's, what I love is, and I think this kind of only works that because she is young, she's just like, I'm going to text him. Sure. So she does. And then suddenly they're like friends. Yeah. Right. Now this one, I think I Okay, now I will say I have come to really love this book, but my first time through, I pregnancy here pre- pregnancy is sort of hard for me. Like there's a lot of things or whatever. Again, like it just was like working against me in some ways, but also that single heroine, the heroine only point of view especially of a very young woman. You're kind of like, is he really into you? Are you reading the signals right because the the forced proximity piece is gone. Right. And Ben is gone for a lot of this book. So And the texting is very like perfunctory. Yeah, right. They get they text and it, we are told that they sometimes talk, but we don't get those conversations, which is again, I think, an interesting choice. And then what happens is um Mal and Anne have go to Vegas, of course, for this wedding. Right, always. And they waited until the night of Lizzie's twenty first birthday because Anne wanted her to have a good time. And that night, she and Ben have, like, essentially a one-night stand. And she's hoping it will be more. She has been so into him. But Mal, is it Mal calls that night? And it's kind of like, where are you? And Ben is like, oh, yeah, I just dropped her off. And she's like, you're not even going to say that you were with me. And she's insulted. And she's like, you don't even want to. Like, she has this horrible moment of realization where, like, they had great sex, but Ben just wasn't as into it as her. And she kicks him out. And then two months later, and they're it's like... At a, they're yeah. at a party, and he's... And it turns out... I mean, of course, <laughs> yeah, right? Because right. it's romance. It turns out, you know, he's there with a date. Yes. And she's been feeling queasy. And Lena, Lena. has also been feeling queasy. And his date is like, well, I think these two ought to take pregnancy tests. And boom, babies. And it is like this big, dramatic scene with, you know, Anne's like, how could you? And Mel is furious. And I told you to stay away from her. That's my little sister now. And you did me wrong. So I will say this. One of the tricky things about Mel's personality is it takes a while for you to believe that Mel is legitimately... Furious, Yeah. Right? right? Because he's so... Such a goofball. He's such... Yeah, he's so wild that you're sort of like, is he really feeling this way or is this just like him performing? Yeah. And he is, in fact, feeling that way. And it's terrible. Like, so it becomes clear that like Ben was staying away from Lizzie because 
he was basically told, like, if you can't, like, you are a man who can only do a one-night stand. Yeah, so stay away This is my little sister. Like, you cannot. Right. Um, So it's great in the sense that she's pregnant and she is part, so, and her sister is on tour with Stage Dive, right? right? And so he's, so she's like, I need you to be close. Like, it's important that you be close to me Mm -hmm. um, so that you have somebody who can be with you. Um, And then on top of it, Ben is sort of like, okay, I'm going to put money in your account. I'm going to take care of this baby. We're going to draw up documents. We're going to do the whole nine. And she's like, I don't want to get lawyers involved. Like, can't we just come, can't we just like, feel good about this. Like, just, like, get ourselves in the right headspace, and then we'll talk about, like, what comes next. And it's really, I think it's really lovely because it is so slow, and they talk about it. Like, they have to take it slow. They have to, like, move at a snail's pace because, you know, but he is away. He leaves her pregnant. I mean, like, it's hard to wrap your head around, like, he left her pregnant for two months because she had terrible morning sickness. So, like, she couldn't go on tour, but then she didn't tell him she had terrible morning sickness. So the night she finds out, or they all find out in this big thing, and then he's like, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you, and he puts money into her account, and then he basically ghosts her for four weeks. And I would like to also point out, and I, I know why Kylie did this, and I think it was smart. Mm-hmm. We, we just get fast forward. Literally, it's like it was four weeks later. And we also do not get any information about this four weeks. And I think this is a really interesting choice on Kylie's part. I think it's really smart because if we had gotten even any bit of how really, truly scary and shitty that was going to be for Lizzie to be on her own for it'd those be hard four to weeks, forgive him. it would be impossible to forgive him. And so it's a smart move on her part to just have us all like skip forward and then we find out later, like, right, like she'd been going to doctor's appointments and, you know, and even though he put money into her account, she doesn't feel like she can use it. So she's, she doesn't buy maternity clothes. She doesn't spend because, any of it. Oh, and also like her whole life is on hold, by the way. Yeah. She's, she's like, going to drop out of she school. She has terrible morning, like such yeah. terrible, like, I mean, I assume she has like that morning sickness, the yeah. like, really bad one, myasthemia gravis, I think it's called. And she you know, can't go to school, so she has to drop out of school. She, like, is basically hanging around her apartment, like, miserable. And on top – and then on the band side, Mal is being such a dick about it. They won't even talk – he won't even talk to Ben unless it's, like, business, right? You know, okay, well, I'm in between a rock and a hard place here. Except you're not because you should definitely be with your pregnant – like, the woman who is carrying your child. Right, your baby mama. Right. Yeah. So um, then they went, but when they finally do kind of have the moment where they talk it all through, right? And the, again, it's Jimmy because it's Jimmy. Jimmy has Lena is going through it too. Yeah. And Jimmy's like, look, if she's going through half, it half as bad as Lena is, which she's not. She's going through it twice Worse. as bad as right. Lena is. You are a real jerk for not taking care of this. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's also like a lot of really delightful reader care and feeding happening here. Like watching, watching mm-hmm. Jimmy become the caretaker <laughs> of Lena is like, uh, uh, it's so good. It's the yes. cherry on top. Absolutely. So Ben, like, goes to her and is like, will you talk to me about it? And it's like, yeah, dummy. Like, yeah, 
communicate. So this whole book is about communication in a way, you know, all the other books have nailed communication from the start. But this book is about two people who like, a man who fund, a hero who fundamentally does not understand how to communicate with anyone. Right. 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 I think it's, and so this is, it's really interesting because like I said, I, the first time I read it, I was like, I don't like it. It's, she deserved better, right, essentially. And I often can kind of get to the point where I'm like, but I understand that it happened. I think one of the reasons the audio worked for me here, it really, like, turned this book on for me, is because um, you really are sitting, I don't know, the narrator just does a great job, I think, at communicating all of those small moments in the text where we really see that Ben is going through something too. And there's this great scene where he says to her, and I again, I it's deeply sympathetic, especially when we're like not in his point of view, where he was like, you know, I as like think about when you were a kid, like how you'd wake up in the morning in summer or whatever, and you just get to think like I can get to do whatever I want today. He's like, that's been my life. I can just jump on a plane. I can go work with other people. I can go make music with anybody I want to. I get to do what I want all day. I just never thought what it would be like to, like, have a family or to have kids. And I think watching him kind of through Lizzie's eyes come around to the idea that, like, this is just a new phase of, like, his life for him. Mm -hmm. It's And it ends up working. It ended up working for me after reading it on audio, and then I reread it with my eyes this week and was still able to, like, be there. Can we also talk about sex? We haven't talked yes. about sex at all. And I know we're, you guys yeah. know, we were intending to talk about one book, and we in- oh, well. instead are talking about four, so you get a super mega-sized yes. uh, podcast. But um, I think, so Kylie writes great sex. Yes. Period. Full stop. Um, but the sex in this book does... Yeah. A huge amount of work, character yes. work for Ben. Um, because in all the, I mean, like, look, right now, Twitter is a flutter because Batman doesn't go down. <laughs> yes, and let me does. tell you something, these stage dives and dive men, <laughs> these are all hashtag heroes who eat, right? <laughs> the part where Lena's like, I guess I never really thought what it would be like to be with someone who had such amazing vocal and tongue control. I was like... <laughs> I am dead. I mean, across the board, right? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, and we didn't talk about how there's a scene where Mal and Anne are having sex, and then he comes and she doesn't. Yeah. And she just, like, doesn't say anything because she came one – she had – so we all know the romance two-for-one rule, right? She got – it was a one-to-one, and so she was like, it's fine. I didn't come from – He came at the end, but I didn't come again. Yeah, right. fine. And then he gets up and he goes into the bathroom and he, like – handles everything and then he comes back out and he's like Anne is there anything you'd like to say to me and she's like no I feel good I feel yeah, great. great and he's like alright I'm gonna just talk to your pussy then <laughs> and he like gets in what it's <laughs> unreal it's, it's amazing. so great it's or amazing with Lena and Jimmy right the first time they have this unbelievable sex right and then he like can again can't handle the feelings and he's like we can have all the sex you want I can think of a million ways I want to fuck you but you can't look at me like that you can't look at me like that. And mm-hmm. she's like, you do no aftercare. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's oh, terrific. It's yeah. terrific. So then, and then with Mal and 
I'm sorry, not Mal, with um, Ben and Liz, Liz, it's very much about, like, he's, essentially, she's like, look, you have, you've broken my heart a couple times. Like, this is really hard. I'm riddled with pregnancy hormones. So, like, that is making everything even harder. Right. Um, And also, you know, they're messing with my body. Like, I'm feeling things, like, way more intensely than I would ordinarily. And when you are around me, it hurts sometimes. Like, so you can't screw around with me. Like, you have to either be here or not be here. And I, and if you are here, we need to go slow because I don't trust you. <gasps> when she's like, I don't trust you. And he's like, that makes me want to trash yeah. a hotel room. I'm so upset. Yeah. And she's right? like, fuck you. Ugh, I love it. <laughs> so, um, and so they, but the sex in deep is yeah. so intense because it is so slow. Yeah. And like penetration happens like really late in the book. Like right. because he's just so careful with her. Like yeah. he's treating her differently. And you get this sense that like he's never had sex like this before. Right. And he's just careful. Yeah. And it's so good. Yeah. You know what else I was thinking as I read Lizzie and Anne's book is I also kind of admire that Kylie Scott is not afraid to put, like, I had sex as a teenager on page, right? I mean, Lizzie's like, yeah, I'm coming off a six-year dry spell. She's 21, right? She had a bunch of sex when she was 15 and 16. And, too, you know, had, you know, had sex with her her boyfriend when she was 16. And I thought, I just remember thinking, like, I like that, you know, like, as it turns out, lots of teenagers are sexually active and that that's not something we often get on page. And, you know, I think... Especially from heroin. Yeah. Like, now I think Ev is a virgin, right? Like, she was looking to, like, get her V-card punched on her 21st birthday or have sex, Right? I don't like think the, she's a virgin. I don't think she's a virgin. He didn't take her virginity while she was drunk. No, no. They don't have sex Oh, no, they don't night. do it. I'm but sorry. But she wanted to have sex that night, remember? That was kind of like part of her deal. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know if it was virginity, but she's like, whatever. But I think that was the other thing I remember thinking is like, yeah, a, a lot of people have sex when they're teenagers. And this was just like a part of, a part of their backgrounds, yeah. right? And nobody, and like. There's no double standard here. It's just, right. you know, the world as it is. Um, you know, I do uh, – there, uh, there are a lot of things I really loved about this book. I really like um, – I really – I but I really think that the communication piece is the most important thing yeah. here. Like, we've never seen Ben talk. Right. And I think Kylie realized in the moment, like, we've never seen Ben really say anything at all. Yeah. So for us, for readers to love him, right? We have to, we have to see him really unravel. Yeah, in, in terms of communication, right? I think the other thing that I, and this maybe goes back to lead, is these are very different characters, all of them, mm-hmm. and. Here we have Jimmy who's like, I don't have feelings, but he's figured out, like, Lena's menstrual cycle and makes sure there's, like, a chocolate cream pie in the fridge every month at the right time. <laughs> right? And I oh, think— Oh, they're also—yes. Uh, they're all so good at it. Yeah. And, I mean, like, this is the fantasy of romance, right? Yes. It's like— Yes. I mean, I have been married for 20 years, and guaranteed that is not—there is no whoopie pie in my fridge. Sure. <laughs> 
But I think it's like the part two where it's like if you're gonna, in I mean, here's the thing I will say: if you are going to do single character point of view, yeah, you have to be so attentive to every other thing that you can do to make a yes. character's feelings known. I mean, right? This is like Jimmy and Jimmy and um. Help me. Lena? Lena. I'm like... I mean, they're, they do so much TV watching. Oh, right? God, yes. Right? And so it's this kind of sense of, like, like a lot of his love language is, like, you get to pick the show tonight. You I can't touch the remote. remote. But I'll let you pick. Right? Yeah. And doesn't at one point he, like, bring home movies and one of them's, like, Thelma and Louise? Yeah, and they watch it. <laughs> right? She's like, And she's like, it's a great ending. You'll love it. <laughs> It's a romance. <laughs> right. Um, it's, yeah. it's really every every one of these heroes just tumbles into love. Yeah. And I it's so romantic. Yeah. Like it really that's is. what and I realized while I was reading it, this is what I want from romance novels. I want to feel like these heroes are stupid over <laughs> yes. their heroines. Right. I just want that. Yeah. And I want it to be messy and complicated. Yeah. And I want them to mess up and I want them to have to crawl back yeah. and like right. suffer. Right. But I want to close a book knowing yeah. there is no question that that man is yeah. stupid. Well, there's this one part where, I mean, Okay, back in lead, because it's my favorite, which I could, like, dissect every moment of this book. She, they are, like, in a bathroom together, and they're going to fool around, and she's like, I'm going to give you a blowjob. Glasses on or glasses off. And he immediately is, like, on. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And it's this great moment where, like, he's been fantasizing about her, right? And that's the thing, right? It's this tiny moment in the text, tiny, but it tells us so much if we're willing to pay attention to it. And I think that that is something we've talked about this, right? Like how important when we read romance, we pay attention to people's like body language and we pay attention to the things people say. But I think it really in this book, in these books. One of the things that I really like to think about when I'm writing, there's a, a, a guy named Desmond Morris. I think he's a human, I don't know. I don't know what is, I don't know what kind of scientist he Mm -hmm. is, but he's some kind of scientist. And he has um, the 12 steps to intimacy are his, his thing. And so his concept is, you know, the first, so everybody has, you know, you have these 12 steps to intimacy and it's like, I to eye, eye to body, Mm. like hand to hand, hand to body, like like and so it's the sort of structure of how what are the 12 steps that ultimately end in like body mm-hmm. to body right yeah and it's something that you know when i first saw it i was like oh this is intuitively how a romance novel is written right yeah. like yeah everything here goes you know it you can sort of tick the boxes of intimacy and it is you know and voice is involved in those 12 steps we'll put links to it in show notes but yeah. um but it's really interesting because I think in these books, Kylie is so careful about how she shows you yes. intimacy on the page between mm-hmm. two people who are trapped together. I yeah. Mean, and it's 
it's just great. These are great books. It's such a fun series. Yeah, it is. I really and it ends like yeah. the climactic scene of Deep ends at a concert, and it's like you you get that like money finally, like you've been waiting yes. for this concert to come. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's great. It it's is great. great. I love it, and I I think of these as like real comfort reads. Like I when I tell you I have reread Lead probably ten times. Yeah. I'm I mean, not, I've reread this. I've read this whole yeah. series multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a great time this week. I'm not <laughs> having like the greatest week of my life, and I had a great time this week rereading these. So, next week is dark romance. We have Susan Elizabeth Phillips, Nicola Yoon, and Nikki Sloan on tap for interviews in July. But our our read along in July is going to be Unmasked by the Marquis. Did I say that right? You did. Well by, done. I'm like, aren't you proud of me? By Cat Sebastian. And I'm not sure what like what day it's gonna run. Yeah, it'll be like this one. You'll just kind of yeah. happen. I think mid like kind of mid to late July. And um, then of course August is all about bombshell. <laughs> well we're gonna I think we'll probably take a, a week or two off in August and yeah. then yeah, it'll be back for bombshell. Um, which is my book coming out August 24th. Um, thank you, Kylie Scott, for the endless hours of fun. Um, we've also talked about lots of Kylie's other books on the podcast uh, because we think she's just generally a great, a great I'm writer. A fan, yeah, I'm a fan. We're big fans here. Um, and let's see, you can find us at fadedmates.net, where you can find transcripts and links to. Uh, you, well, you can read all of Jen's amazing show notes, which are amazing. You can find links to Best Friend Kelly's sticker shop. If you put Faded Mates in the comment section when you order stickers, she will send you a free Faded Mates sticker with your purchase. You can also find links to jordandenay.com where you can find Faded Mates gear. Um, and also links to a Spotify playlist filled with music that Eric thinks is relevant to the episodes. Um, and other fun goodies along the way. So, uh, also you can follow us on Twitter at Fatamates and on Instagram at Fatamates Pod. Please like and subscribe and review. Wait, you're not supposed to say subscribe anymore because it's free. No. So you say please like and I don't know follow? something else. Follow, like, follow, like, review. Um, anyway, we love you guys. We hope you're reading great books.